This episode is brought to you by KJK. Tired of the billable hour? KJK has a solution. The KJK GC Advantage program offers businesses comprehensive legal services in the areas of employment, corporate services, real estate, trademark, intellectual property, and estate planning, all for a set monthly fee. KJK serves as their clients' partners in business, not just their lawyers. Along with cost certainty and predictability, the KJK GC Advantage program gives clients peace of mind, knowing their projects will be handled quickly and efficiently, maximizing the return on investment on their legal spend. So don't go it alone. Let KJK help. Learn more by visiting KJK.com. 614 Startups Nation, welcome to another episode of the 614 Startups Podcast, Columbus's number one startup podcast. My name is Elio Harmon, your host, and I have a very special guest, a woman who is, you know, put the blood, sweat, and tears into building the community and supporting startups and small businesses. My guest tonight is none other than Deanna Barnett of Aventi Enterprises. Deanna, welcome to the show. Thank you, Elio, for having me. It's about time I got on a 614 startup. I've been watching you for years. And so this is going to be considered my debut on 614 Startups. Well, you've showed up. I'm sure you're going to show out. Um, but before we get into the meat and potatoes of the conversation, I don't take for granted that people know who you are. So I want to sure. start the conversation with who is Deona Barnett and how did you come to live in Columbus, Ohio? Well, Deona is a passionate advocate of entrepreneurship. I was actually born in St. Louis, Missouri, but I came to Ohio at a very young age and I spent um, all of grade school here in Columbus in Westville City Schools. Graduated from Westville South High School. Um, and then I went on to the Ohio State University at the Fisher College of Business. And um, I am now a mother of four, wife of one. I have um, four boys who are very active. They keep me busy. Um, and I am also a business owner of Aventi Enterprises. Yeah. Now, was it always going to be four kids or did you keep trying for that girl? No, it was actually this. I had not planned that part of my life yet when it started happening. Um, so I am now um, in a full house. I am now in a full house and we can stop here. You're, you're in a full house and it feels like you're all by yourself, right? <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. got five guys in there. And you. Oh, I am the queen. Of oh. my domain, yes, I am the okay. queen. Okay. Even if they forget, I do remind them who's the okay. queen. Okay. So, so are you the queen that makes people get the remote that's five feet from you, but you know you make people hand Absolutely. you stuff? Absolutely. That kind of okay. <laughs> Absolutely, I take advantage of all my royal my royalty obligations and uh, what is due me. Okay. You 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 <laughs> are you are you deserve it, Your Majesty. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I mean, let's jump into, I mean, we've, we've known each other, um, I, I don't know, it feels almost like a decade now because yeah, you've been doing right. the work that you've been doing for a very long time. And as, as long as I've known you, you have been synonymous in my mind with working with entrepreneurs. Yep. So what sparked it. your interest in this area and what has been your journey, yeah. right? From your very early stages of working with the entrepreneurs to now leading Aventi Enterprises? Well, when I was um, at OSU, I was one of the founders of the Fisher Inc. Student Business Magazine. And that was a student-led um, publication out of the Fisher College of Business to highlight some of the things that are going on in the business college, uh, what was going on in the business environment around the campus. And then if there were any students who were starting business businesses, we would highlight them. Um, very intrigued about that. When I graduated, I went to a newspaper, a local newspaper, and I was in the um, advertising department. And so I would do the advertising, advertisements in the back of the newspaper. 
for this publication. And I remember there was a landscaper guy. I forget the name of the company, but he would always advertise and he would call me to place an ad. So I was in charge of display ads rather than the liners is what they call them. The three lines of what you want to do, but actual, um, um, I guess visual ads uh, where you can have a larger box and you have pictures and things like that. And so he would call and he would place his ad. And one time he was um, just so, um, you know, a little less motivated because he was like, you know, my I'm putting my ads in there. I'm not getting the calls. What should I do? And I gave him the recommendation. Hey, it looks like you're going to have to amp up your advertising game and advertise in a different section. This is after I have given him like verbiage of what he should put in his ad, um, different ideas on where to place it in the back of the paper. Um, should it be next to this category, next to that category? And he saw, you know, some um, some ideas or some, excuse me, some customers coming in through that, but he wanted more. And I said, well, the next thing is to um go to a different part of the newspaper and he was like well let's go for it and I was like well I'm gonna have to transfer you over to another department that handles that and he said oh that means I'm not gonna be working with you and I was like yeah he's like oh no no no, no. just keep me keep me in the back I was like no you have to do this for your business um and so I really encourage you to to do this and so he went on and transferred and I think it was at that moment that I really enjoyed what I was doing which was essentially helping small businesses find ways to grow. And in that sense, it was uh, marketing and advertising. I went to school for that. Um, And from there, I went to um, a nonprofit organization that did just that small business training, um, consulting and microfinancing. And I started, you know, at the at the lowest level, but eventually, um, I got to executive director position. Um, in the last five years of that organization, I, um, I served as the director. Um, I revamped their, the loan fund because at the time that I took that position, they had closed down the loan fund, but I, um, I brought it back and um, got more money from government agencies to lend out to small businesses in the form of microloans and um, really learned a lot in that. The board of directors for that organization decided to um, shut the organization down because there was still some responsibilities that was needed by the board and the other constituents, and they were ready for another phase. And so um, I came home and I was thinking, okay, so what am I going to do? And I still got um, businesses looking for me on social media, sending me emails, text messages like, where are you? We need your help. And so, my husband was like, why don't you just start your own company and just keep helping them? And so that's exactly what I did. That's how now, I got here. Uh, yeah. And so it's the classic consultant's dilemma, it sounds mm-hmm. like to me. Um, you were working within an organization. You were helping these small business owners uh, and startups grow their companies. And here you find yourself because the organization uh, gets dissolved, having to make a decision about starting a business. Can you take me through, and this is where we get a little bit deep on the podcast, right? Okay. Of the emotions, right? The, the, the process of going from, hey, I've been working within an organization. Now I have to go out on my own because there might be people listening to this who are having to make a, a, a similar decision okay. with all the tech layoffs around the country. And here locally as well. Well, it was definitely, uh, okay, let's buckle our seatbelts. What does this look like for us? And so my original strategy was, okay, I will file for unemployment. We can live on that uh, to supplement my portion of the income um, because we still had these children to take care of. And through that, um, long story short, I didn't really get my unemployment. I think I got like a payment number one, and then all of these things kind of just fell apart. You can't call unemployment uh, and get a successful uh, phone call uh, because they're not answering the phone. I'm thinking uh, a lot of people may have been on unemployment at the time, 
And I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to go out here and just make some money. I can't spend my whole day trying to reach this unemployment office. Um, And so I can tell you that it was a lot of long days. It was, um, you know, concern. Like, okay, how am I going to, uh, how am I going to do this? Um, I did get, I started to explore um, job positions. And I spoke to someone and I just told them, hey, um, I see that you're looking for this position. I'm available. And they were like, well, let's, let's talk about this. And essentially what they said was, what do you really want to do? And I told them, like, you know, eventually I, I do want to be a business owner. I do want to, um, um, you know, be able to lead based on uh, my beliefs and my passion and things like that. And they said, then do it. Mm. And I was like, okay. All right. So I buckled down. Um, at the time, my office was in the baby's room. And so I would be in the baby's room from like eight in the morning to like eight at night. Sometimes um, I would be up late at night. Um, and it, you know, getting started is a real dedication to to this um, infant organization that you have. It's a lot of time involved. And it's it can be um, it can be discouraging because you're like, I'm putting all this time and I don't see anything. But it's kind of like all of a sudden you'll start seeing things happen. Uh, but you got to put the time in in order to in order to actually see the results. Um, there's a meme out there that says, you know, uh, what does it say? You have a um, million dollar mindset with uh, with uh, infant consistency or something like that. So you got to you got to stick to the plan. You got to stick to the plan to see the result. Yeah. Think and Grow Rich is only a book title, right? There's a lot that goes oh, into yeah. that book <laughs> in order to make that happen. All right. So you go through this process. You have this transition you have to make. And like life does, it conspires to, to close some doors that were essential for this one to open. Mm-hmm. So the door that opens becomes a venti. What is a venti? And what problem are you solving? So Avinci is a strategic consulting firm. We are helping small businesses, particularly women and minority-owned businesses, access capital and contracting opportunities. Uh, women and minorities are the one of the, we're the most disadvantaged population groups as it comes as it relates to business development. And so for that reason, we we harness the resources and bring them together to um, help these populations grow and scale. Okay. Now, in the world of consulting, you want to go where the money is. When you talk about women and minority-owned businesses, I'm only I'm asking this question tongue-in-cheek yeah. because this goes to the passion, right? The reason why you start. If, if I'm a consultant, yeah, you know, maybe I go into oil and gas. Maybe I go into you know, energy. Maybe I go into, you know, where the money is. Mm-hmm. Why, as you're looking at business and business models, did you choose to go into this area? I have been pretty um, well-versed in the needs of these population groups from my previous experience. And I was like, the work is not done. And mm. I said, I'm not going to be a nonprofit organization. I'm going to be a for-profit, but I'm going to figure this out. Um, so, you know, helping women and minority-owned businesses access capital and contracting opportunities. I mean, essentially, that's me. That's I'm that business that needs access to capital and contracting opportunities. I know that contracts, help you grow and scale quickly. So how Aventi got started outside of like a couple of people needing my help who really couldn't pay me, um, I got a contract to help those businesses who couldn't pay me. Like, okay, all right. So I um, started with that contract and um, I just started trying to find other organizations like that who were looking to support these groups and how I could fit into their program strategy 
um, and even serve as a, a subcontractor on contracts they already received to help these population groups. And so I just kept doing that. And contracts, again, I believe are um, a great growth strategy. Start small um, and it will lead to larger contracts. And we couple that now with um, small businesses who can pay, who can pay us. So yeah. we can help those who um, are being served through these contract opportunities. They grow and they get to a position where they can pay us directly for some, for some services like our business strategy consulting um, businesses can pay us for that directly Our certification assistance and proposal writing. So yeah, yeah. that was our strategy. And I, and I, and I think, you know, I, I, I asked that question and I mentioned it being tongue in cheek about going after the money initially, but I think that's where the vicious cycle of, um, you know, kind of the underserved community continues to, to uh, these problems continue to linger because mm-hmm. the people who are well positioned to help solve some of these issues when they run the numbers, or at least maybe they don't even run the numbers, they just don't even look at those uh, opportunities to serve those founders because there's an assumption that there is no money there. Well, oh, I'm sure. glad that that was not the route that you took because I know every day you're helping impact businesses. And we're going to dig into what you've learned helping businesses and how you're even taking things to the next level after this break. We'll be right back. Support for the 614 Startups Podcast comes from Nationwide. Nationwide's mission is to protect people, businesses, and futures with extraordinary care. To help fulfill that mission, Nationwide is looking to invest its $350 million venture capital investment fund in InsureTechs that will help them create new and exciting products and solutions to meet the needs of their customers. If you're interested in partnering with Nationwide's venture capital team, visit nationwideventures.com to learn more. Again, the website is nationwideventures.com. Nationwide is on your side. This episode is brought to you by Rev1. Rev1's mission is to help entrepreneurs build great companies. As you navigate the waters of business entrepreneurship, you don't have to go it alone. A strategic partnership with Rev1 connects innovators to the talent, customers, space, and funding you need when you need it. Get started with Rev1 Startup Studio by visiting rev1ventures.com to learn more. Again, the website is rev1ventures.com. 614 Startups Nation, welcome back. I am continuing my conversation with Deanna Barnett of Aventi Enterprises. And in this segment, um, Deanna, what I really want to get into with you is tap into your experience and help share that experience with our audience about what it takes, right? What you've seen from those entrepreneurs who've walked in the door with just an idea. What does it take to go from that person to a high growth CEO, somebody who is capable and continues to grow, meet the challenges of growing a business and is hiring people, having an impact on their community, and of course, making lots of money? Absolutely. Well, I would say that the first thing that you would need to do to become an uh, entrepreneur from a entrepreneur is to get your mind right. So this journey is not for the faint at heart. This is not that. Um, there's a lot of people on social media just show, saying, you know, this is so easy. Like you could do this too. Uh, probably everybody can't do that. And it's okay if you can't do what that person is doing. You really have to get your mind right about what it is that you're about to embark upon, which is this entrepreneurial journey. Um, It can be lonely because you're going to have to spend more time in your business than you would your job. And are you ready for that? Are you ready to not go out and party as much? Um, You might have to spend Friday nights reading a book or doing your uh, books, doing your, you know, your bookkeeping or trying to figure out your, your next step. So getting your mind right and preparing yourself for the road ahead. Your routine is going to have to be different. Your thought process is going to have to be different. 
your belief system may have to change as well. I, I like to say, start believing in something um, and then having a vision. I mean, essentially, this is the essence of my faith life. Um, I am um, a believer in Christ. And when you read the Bible, it really does instruct you on how to think, which is not necessarily necessarily the norm for how society has us think. Um, my faith tells me to believe in what you cannot see. And when you start a business, you don't see anything. <laughs> you don't see money. You may not even see the concept yet. And some, sometimes, a lot of times, entrepreneurs start something and don't know where they're going with it. But if you have the vision, the bigger picture in mind and what you're trying to accomplish, it'll help you uh, stay focused on the goal, knowing that I'm trying to do this, but there may be some things along the way that I'll encounter that I didn't know that I will en- I would encounter. And I'll find a way to to deal with those things. Um, so getting your mind right, knowing what you're about to embark upon. Of course, we hear finding a problem that is so important. Find a problem that you want to address. Um, typically, those who are problem solvers are the ones that people seek. So what is a problem that is uh, something that's pas- that's a passion for you? something that uh, wakes you up at night? What is that thing that drives you and motivates you to continue to seek answers even when um, they are not obvious? What is that problem that you want to address? And then I would say, um, if you can think of a solution, go test it out. See if it actually solves the problem. Um, we typically have really big ideas and those ideas get bigger and bigger and bigger by the day. But let's hone in on the the most viable solution to the problem that we want to address um, and then allow that solution to grow over years versus trying to implement everything. So what is the most viable solution to the problem that you're trying to address. And the problem may be so big that you may have to address it in chunks. So figure out what your chunk is, um, test it out, see how it goes before you invest a whole bunch of money into it. Uh, That's the worst to invest money into something that doesn't work and nobody wants. Um, That's not the direction that we wanna go. Uh, yeah. So let then, me let me ask you yeah. this. You you gave me yeah. a lot there. Let's let's pick it apart. So the first thing is get your mind right. So if I'm starting to have a reaction to your comments about getting my mind right, with I'm not giving up my Friday. Yeah. Uh, I'm not working twelve hours a day. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna not take a vacation because I'm pouring back all my money into this business mm-hmm. to make it work. If I'm starting to get that visceral pullback, are those signs that I may not be cut out for owning a business? Yes, it sounds like you might just want a hobby or um, maybe a side hustle that doesn't really uh, fully support you or uh, fully support um, a community at a larger scale. And that's fine, too. Absolutely fine. Uh, But if you're not ready to take on this level of responsibility that entrepreneurship brings, I say don't don't get started. And, and you know, uh, one of the things I want to do with this show is really elevate the amount of respect that people need to give to people who are successful business owners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. And because of the way it's marketed, it makes everyone feel like they can do it. And even for those who are cut out for it, it doesn't mean you're going to succeed. Right. 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 Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I totally agree with that. Like I mentioned on social media, there's an influencers on there saying, you know, I started this business and it was so easy. Now I'm making a million dollars. It was not easy. You didn't do that by yourself. You knew some things before you started doing that. Um, and then are you going to uh, share everything? I, I mean, like there's just, it is not an easy thing to do. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. That's all I can say. This is 
something that's going to require a lot of you. And are you okay with giving yourself to this idea? Okay. Well, and let me another say, thing. Well, yeah, one more an, thing. Go ahead. Uh, so for like um, women, especially mothers, there is a huge challenge internally for the for the mothers who really love their children. How much time am I going to share with my children and my business? Who gets the mm. most? Who gets the least? And if I give the least to the business, then my children don't get the most of what it could bring. So there is an internal uh, battle. Uh, and I'm speaking from a mother's perspective. And then a wife. You also have to share your time and your life with your spouse. What's the balance there? So you can't give up totally. I find myself um, figuring out how to manage my time. So in my schedule, my time is very specific um, and exact. Like if I don't do these things within this amount of time, it's not going to get done and it's going to put me behind and then I'm not going to have time for my family. But I know I need time for my family. So what am I going to do? So time management is another thing. Uh, that's a skill. And it's um, not like automatically, um, it's not an in its skill. You got to learn that and develop that so that you can balance your priorities in life. And one more thing, you know, because my next question is on expectations. Mm -hmm. uh, so you mentioned mindset, getting your mind right and really thinking long and hard before you jump in. Uh, you talked about finding a problem to solve. Uh, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, and then testing, right? Figure out if this is the right solution, if the market is there, if people want to buy it, can you make money doing this? But the other thing that I want to um, sort through and that is uh, prevalent on social media is the definition of business success. Mm. The word billionaire gets thrown around way too much. Mm -hmm. Millionaire gets thrown around <laughs> way too much. There's the reason why those folks are considered 1%. Uh -huh. Those are not easy numbers to rack up. No, they're not. I want to hear from you as someone who works with small businesses and probably needs to set expectations from time to time. What is your definition of a successful business? A, well, the entrepreneur really needs to define that. Um, if the what I would like to say is that if the business um, generates a profit, solves its mission, pays the owner, you could look at that as successful, but that may not be successful for someone else. Someone else's success might be a million dollars. And if they don't reach it, even if they hit those other three bullet points I just mentioned, um, then they feel like they're not successful. So success is in the eye of the beholder. And the entrepreneur should define that. Um, at the beginning of their journey. And once they reach it, define it again. Yeah. And, you know, so this is a perfect segue um, because, yes, we all have our definitions of success. Uh, and it, this is especially tr true of business because, like, you know, a certain, we all move the goalposts, right? So mm -hmm. last year I'm doing, this year I'm doing better than last year, but I know next year I want to do better. So yeah, the goalpost does does move, but it's not necessarily I'm starting this business to become a billionaire. Or I'm starting a business to become a millionaire. Essentially, mm -hmm. for a small business or somebody just starting out, hitting those three points that you just laid out, right? Being able to pay yourself, pay your employees, pay your bills, uh, and deliver also probably superior service to your customers, retaining the customers that you have year over year and growing that number. Um, at a regular clip, you know, uh, 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 could be considered a success just as much as somebody who has built a billion or a million dollar company. And this segues perfectly into not everything needs to be a home run because the black business community needs some base hits. Mm -hmm. right? So as you think about the future of America, of African-Americans in America, and then the responsibility that we have to the continent, to Africa itself, because we are rightly positioned to achieve real economic gains because we are here in the United States. What is the significance of economic upward mobility 
through business ownership for the black community in America? Great question. Um, Well, I will tell you that um, what I do know is that there are about 95% of black owned businesses that do not employ anyone else but themselves or the owner, I should say. And if we could get black owned businesses to hire at least one additional employee, we could create more than three and a half million jobs for our community. When you have jobs, you create income, which can lead to wealth. And so job creation, if we are able to grow and scale our Black-owned businesses, job creation could be um, one of the direct results of that, which would lead to an increase in Black wealth or closing the wealth gap, among it, other things. Um, but that is just um, one significant fact of Black businesses. If we could do that, we could create more than three and a half million jobs in our communities. Mm-hmm. Let's just break down the job issue, right? Okay. Uh, and this now, uh, listen, we're, we're just flowing right now in this conversation. I'm not going to use the word segue anymore, okay? Because I think okay. I'm playing okay. it out for this conversation. I think we're just vibing at this point because every point leads into the next. That's why I was so excited when I saw the announcement. Um, it came through the Columbus Foundation and then subsequent announcement by you and press releases, et cetera. And, and, and I think the whole community celebrated uh, when we saw this. But Columbus Foundation has their equitable small business fund. I think they have about $5 million in dry powder. Uh, and they just deployed about $2.5 million of it. Mm-hmm. And through this process, you were one of, I believe, five companies that received uh, money from this business fund. And the funds that you received from the Columbus Foundation allowed you or made it possible for you to create the Eventi Loan Fund to distribute small loans to women and minority businesses. Mm-hmm. What is the significance of that for your company and then for the companies you're looking to serve? Well, the loan fund is actually continuing to support our mission, which is access to capital and contracting opportunities. The loan fund was designed to offer short-term microloans up to $25,000 for those who were seeking contracts or they already have a contract that they need to service. So what we know about government and corporate contracts, their first payouts may not be until 36 or 90 days after work has started. So in order to serve those, service those contracts, you need to have cash to cover upfront costs like labor, materials, supplies, marketing, um, equipment, um, training, and all these things. What I do know is that, especially in the minority community, that is a challenge. So if um, the business doesn't have that upfront cash, their contract is as good as nothing because they can't service it. So there's this challenge of getting the contract, but then we have to service it. So this loan fund is supporting the work that we're already doing. We're positioning them uh, to get these contracts, which help them grow and scale a little bit quicker than individual transactions. And then we support them with access to capital to service those contracts. And these are typically for businesses who are not bankable um, or underserved in the in the uh, banking sector. We want to be able to if I mean, you got money coming in and you wrote you got to execute a contract, but you just need to do the work. We'll do that for you. We'll give you some cash and you get started on it. You get the contract to pay you out and then you pay us back that that loan. If we can continue to do that, your income as a business owner will definitely increase knowing that you'll have access to cash if a contract comes your way. We're talking about these um, um, larger contracts. Those are the ones that are really hard to service because it requires so much upfront cash. And then eventually, with all this additional income that you brought in, uh, and we've gone through business strategy, so we understand where our profits lie in that, we've, we've priced that contract real good. You, are, you then become um, bankable. You'll be in position to go after that line of credit with the bank. 
so that that credit is always there whenever you go after any additional contracts or, or higher loans amount, loan amounts. So um, we're really excited about that loan fund and what it's going to uh, show what works. Um, we did a beta last year. We had a business owner who agreed to be the guinea pig. Like, if you want to give me money, go ahead. <laughs> uh, who agreed to be the guinea pig of the, of the loan fund. And she ended up getting, in total, five short-term loans from us last year. And each time um, she paid it off and got another loan, she got a larger contract. And so she was able, just last year, she was able to triple her revenue. And that's what we want to see more of. Wow. That's absolutely amazing. All right. So I know they are salivating now to get their hands on this loan fund, right? Because they, they, <laughs> they're doing the math in their mind. Triple revenue is pretty exciting. Yeah. But we're going to need to take a break. When we okay. come back, we're going to look at a real world example similar to what you gave here that people could maybe apply in their minds and then motivate themselves to reach out to you to engage with you. Uh, and then what's next for Aventi? But we'll be right back after these messages. Today's episode is sponsored by the City of Dublin's Division of Economic Development. The City of Dublin provides world-class, tailored business services and resources to ensure the best possible environment for businesses to recruit talent and thrive. Because of this strategic focus and commitment to employer growth, Dublin is the only accredited economic development organization in the state of Ohio. The City of Dublin supports startups and entrepreneurs by offering targeted resources and training programs to grow companies that are financially sustainable innovative, and committed to creating jobs. Learn how other businesses depend on Dublin. Visit thriveindublinohio.com. 614 Startups Nation, thank you so much for continuing to listen to my conversation with Deanna Barnett of Aventi Enterprises. All right, Deanna, we are excited about this loan fund. I need you to give me another example, but here's the, the big opportunity that is on everybody's lips, right? Two big ones. Intel, of course, is the giant one, but right behind it is Honda and I believe the LG battery factory. So for somebody out there who's going out and they want to bid, bid on this, um, on, on projects within these two uh, deals, how does your loan fund help a company like that? Yes. So in the event that you get a contract with any one of these entities, you could apply for the loan um, to help you get that contract going. In the event that you need assistance with responding to any of these bids, that's another thing that our team can help you with. Uh, but the loan fund definitely can support companies who are looking after going after these, these um, bids by these big companies. And maybe even serving as subcontractors could also be um, that can also be supported through the loan fund. Okay. Now, as we look at these deals, we know they're complex, right? They're building the future, essentially. We're talking semiconductors. We're talking battery storage. We're probably talking about a whole host of supportive, very high-tech projects to make these two um, uh, uh, comp um, ideas a reality. Mm. Looking at the landscape, right, of Black businesses that are ready right now, uh, to be uh, submitting RFPs. From your perspective, as somebody who helps Black businesses, what do you see and what do we need to change? Well, what we see is that with these large companies coming in and preparing to contract uh, with uh, new vendors, we're seeing how it's highlighting the need for Black businesses to be in these higher growth industries like. Um, advanced manufacturing, automotive, mobility, energy, um, biomedical, logistics, technology. There are not as many Black businesses in those industries, which are the industries that those companies need to contract with. So there may be some conversation about how there, quote unquote, isn't any opportunity for Black businesses to um, engage with these companies, but it's really not about the Black business. It's about the industries that the Black businesses are in. So 
what we have been doing as a company is after finding out all of this movement uh, when it comes to economic development, we're saying, okay, what do we as a company, Aventi Enterprises, need to do to increase the awareness of the opportunities in these other industries? And what do we need to do to prepare our businesses to uh, transition into these high growth models? So we've been working with Rev1 Ventures and helping them increase their diverse pipeline. Similar story, how do we um, engage Black businesses in these industries? So we developed a tech exploration program with Rev1, and that program would allow um, Black businesses to come to a safe space to explore what it means to become a tech-based business and what opportunities are there, how to navigate developing a concept. Um, And we are also working with um, Jobs Ohio Inclusion Grant um, in partnership with One Columbus and Columbus Partnership. That inclusion grant requires these businesses to be in those industries as well because those are high growth companies that create jobs. That comes back, the question comes back to Aventi. What do we need to do to prepare Black businesses to enter into these industries? What resources are needed? Um, is there a training? Uh, who's the mentors? Uh, so we have really been faced with this challenge of high growth companies for Black owned businesses. A large portion of Black businesses are lifestyle companies meaning they, uh, their business generates just enough income for them, the owner, to live and work whenever they, whenever they want to. And these lifestyle companies, that's just not scalable. And we want to be able to discuss the need for more high-growth companies uh, in the Black community. So do you feel with the work that you're doing and work like other organizations like the uh, uh, Urban Business Development Center and Rev One. I know they have the DEI Inclusion Grant and what mm-hmm. Jobs Ohio um, has in place. I know it doesn't solve all problems, but do you feel like the requisite founder who wants to go into maybe um, high tech duck work for data centers, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Um, do you feel like there is now a pathway for that person to go from a desire to do something, the experience and expertise to do it, to engage with a firm like Aventi and go through a systematic process, right? Of developing their idea, meeting the right people, getting funding when appropriate, and then going after the opportunities that are available. Do you feel like Columbus has slowly, maybe not in a concerted way, but over time put together a pathway for somebody to follow if they're willing to do so? Well, what I I see is that Aventi is creating the path. It's really the connection to all of these resources to create that pathway. Uh, The resources are... Some are there, some are being developed, and some need to be connected. And so what we've been doing is trying to uh, identify these resources, who are the partners, who needs these types of businesses, and then how do we create this continuum of services in partnership with these organizations so that there can be a pathway to these high growth companies. That's what we're doing right now. All right. It doesn't hurt to have a one-stop shop in the city. That can take you from where you are to where you need to go. I love to hear that. Now, that segues perfectly. You got some dry powder in the loan fund. You're continuing to um, work with women-owned and minority-owned businesses to get them prepared to bid on these contracts and scale their company. And from that, as companies grow, they're able to pay you for your services. But what's next for Aventi as you look on the horizon over the next, let's say, 24 months? Uh, What's next? So we're definitely entering uh, the areas of economic development efforts um, across our city and how we include women and minorities in these economic development initiatives. 
So you're you're going to be seeing a venti in these um, conversations that we normally have not been in. We've been strictly small business advising, um, but we are entering the economic development space uh, because the work that we're doing is there's more work that needs to be done um, at a higher level, and those policies um, and practices that are that we know today definitely need to be transformed to support the businesses that we're trying to serve. So you're going to see us in the economic development space. Um, you will see us uh, visibly at the Ohio Black Expo. We are the company that is going to host the Level Up Business Conference. And so we are bringing uh, Black businesses organizations and allies from across the state of Ohio to the 614 area um, at the at the Columbus Convention Center on May 25th to talk about the economic impact of Black founders and the companies that they lead. And we want to uh, sprinkle in some inspiration um, and start having conversations about where our economy, at least locally here in the state, where it's going and where Black businesses fit in. I'm also um, the VP of Programming for NABO Columbus, which is a women's business organization. And um, I have been very active in the public policy space for uh, benefits of women businesses with government contracting. So you will see us in economic development and public policy. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, you know, no better place to practice economic development than Ohio. Um, yeah. We are making a play to be a global leader in um, the industries that are going to transform the future. And I think Aventi is rightly placed to be on the front line of that. Um, and you know, but before we kind of pivot and close things out, I still want to um, help people understand if they qualify, if they're eligible to work with you. Okay. So what, what do you look for? What, you know, what do you look for in your clients that are just approaching you and they want to um, seek your services? And what is the eligibility requirement for somebody who's looking to apply for a loan? Great question. So, um, Anyone can call or schedule a, an intro call with us, but on that call, we we really look to see what it is that you're trying to accomplish. We have specific things that we do. If we don't do them, we will refer you to someone else, um, but we focus on business strategy, business planning, preparation for financing, certification assistance if you're looking to get a small business certification as um, a minor, minority-owned, women-owned, veteran-owned. Um, persons with disabilities, um, if you're looking to get certified in that, we'll support you there. Looking for opportunities and going after them. That's that's our area. If you don't have um, a business plan or you haven't even got started in the process, but you do have an idea, we would direct you to our business planning for profitability training program, which is sponsored by Rev1 Ventures this year. Um, and in that program, we are helping you uh, design your business model, defining your concept, pricing your products and services, and creating your projections and preparing you to pitch as if you're going after some some money, which we, we want to go after some money. Um, and that would position you to come back for some of the other services that we have. For the loans, um, if you have a contract, or going after a contract, ideally, we would like for you to already have the contract that's fully executed. Um, you can go to our website at eventsyenterprises.com and you can submit a pre-application for that loan up to $25,000. We don't look at credit. Um, it's all about where your business is going and what um, commitments you have in place and your financial capacity to repay us pretty much. Uh, so you can schedule an intro call and see how we can help. If we can't help, we'll connect you to another resource. We have great friends over at the Small Business Development Center and the, micro, uh, the Minority Business Assistance Center uh, to support 
Um, and that is how you can connect with us. You can also follow us on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And we're always sharing new programs that we're working with other partners on. Uh, so if it's outside of our current core, you'll be able to get um, some insight through our social media or even joining our email about some new programs or grants or what have you uh, that you can get access to through Eventy. All right. Um, Deanna, that's absolutely awesome. Um, you inspire me so much to keep doing what I'm doing and shining the spotlight on the work of folks like yourself in the community. Um, two more questions before we go, though. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that these loans are short term. So what's the average term uh, okay. and average? I think check size was up to 25,000. What was the average term? Um, it's three to six months. Okay. So we're basing that on the, the payout of the, the contract, three to six yep. months. That's right. And if, you, if you've if you never worked with large corporations, they will take as long to pay you as oh, they yeah. can. All right. So <laughs> yeah. which is why a loan fund like this provides the bridge, right? For you to pay those employees while you're waiting on that check so that you can pay back your loan as well. All right, Deanna, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming on. I'm sure. going to close the podcast with my final word. Much like Deanna mentioned early on that she had to make a decision about going into entrepreneurship, much of the talent I suspect of those people who are going to help more Black-owned businesses lead the future, start the companies of the future, I feel like many of that, much of that talent is locked up within companies. And you're probably thinking, hey, I could go out there and start a business but I'm not quite sure where to start. Well, if you are that person and you are listening to the podcast, we gave you a starting point. Reach out to Deanna Barnett and the team at Aventi Enterprises and let's go change the world. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, peace. That's a wrap, folks. You can find this in all our episodes on our website, 614startups.com. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and all your favorite podcasting platforms. Don't forget to subscribe and write a review. If you'd like updates sent directly to your inbox, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter on the website. To engage in the 614 Startups community, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at 614 Startups on all platforms and join the conversation. For sponsorship opportunities and collaborations, email us at info at 614startups.com.